lots of lousy businesses. And there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job over the years has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio. From the AM640 studios in Toronto. With Hi-Fi portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Good morning, Toronto. Welcome to another episode of Hi-Fi Radio AM640. We are going to talk music and tunes and vinyl and content and so much more. Uh, We're going to be communicating with some good friends in L.A., Jeremy Summers of Fox Television, DJ Lazy Ray, our local DJ in Toronto. If you ever eat at Taroni's, uh, you've probably seen me at the bar. I'm there a couple of times a week just for lunch, a little plate of pasta. Uh, and DJ Lazy Ray's always spinning the tunes in the background. He's just so talented, such a musicologist, shall I say. And then we're going to dial back into, I think it's New York City, Michael Graham. He covers Pandora Media. Again, this really is a show about the music business for this week, and we're going to focus on just that. But uh, let's take it over to LA with Jeremy Summers. Jeremy, thank you very kindly and Welcome to Hi-Fi Radio. Hi, Wolf. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. So uh, just, just to tee it up for the audience, Jeremy, you, got, uh, you are not just pedigree to the music industry, but certainly you're a, 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 a legendary player. You're, you know, your father, uh, Joe Summers, um, uh, was the president of, of Motown Records, of course, Motor Town, all that great Motown that came out in the 60s and 70s. And uh, you saw your dad have a lot of fun and decided to join the music industry about 20 years ago. So two generations in a very, very tough industry in itself is kudos to you, Jeremy. So what I really want to do with you today, sir, is learn more about the direction of the industry, how artists can make money, what the changes are, uh, you know, from 8-track to vinyl to digital, and I think back to vinyl. We're going to get into that as well. So, uh, yeah, lots of cover, pal. So where do you want to begin with this, Jeremy? Well, well, you know, I think we should begin with a statement, and, and that statement is that, uh, you know, it's uh, very bullish in the music business right now. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people are making money. Valuations are at um, at absolute highs. Va- sorry, so, sorry, Jeremy. Uh, valuations of what? Uh, of the uh, record labels. Hmm. Uh, you know, are, are at highs. Um, you know, you have um, suspicion that uh, Vivendi is going to spin off a portion of Universal Music Group just to uh, take advantage of that valuation. Um, you know, you, you have uh, Warner Music Group is is looking like a genius move for Blavatniks. Um, you know, and, and more importantly, not just at the label side, but in so many other areas of the business, everyone's making money right now. Um, you know, someone once called it um, the democratization that has happened in the music business. Um, I, I think that's a good way to, to, to put it because now you have, you know, promoters, you look at Live Nation, you know, their valuation is through the roof. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're having more success than they've, than they've had. The labels, as I talked about. The, um, the, the tech piece, right? Um, you know, where you have, uh, uh, you know, uh, Pandora was an innovation, you know, maybe 10 years ago when it launched. Um, you know, and, and now you have, uh, you know, a massive penetration from them. You have Spotify, you know, who, who has a, a multi-billion uh, uh, dollar valuation. You have Apple Music, you know, so, so it's readily available uh, in more places. Um, people are making money, and, and more importantly, the artists are making money, again. 
And, uh, you know, I think, that, I think that's one of the biggest changes for, uh, uh, that we've seen, you know, back from, you know, the, the early 2000s. It was a hard time in, in the music business, and everyone had to feel the pain, and the artists felt it the worst. You know, I'm still feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, tell us, Ray. We got Ray here, DJ Lazy Ray. Uh, how are you feeling the pain? Uh, well, no, whatever. I mean, it's just a, it's a grind when you're a local schmuck DJ, and um, you know, just uh, I feel good. Sure, I, I shouldn't have said I was being melodramatic. Uh, I'm so nervous. It's my but, first but, time. No, don't be. No, it's funny because you're, you're a DJ, Ray, but you, you've never been on the radio, and I've been. I'm not. I'm not a talking DJ. I'm, uh, I use my hands. You, you know, you're, music, you're a total music guy. You're a real music enthusiast. But again, Ray, you and I always talk about vinyl, and you know, I, I as a business guy, as a stock market guy, uh, and as a conservative, in, in, in that regard, I, I do worry about artists. And hey, stay with me on this one, Jeremy, because part of the reason why, Jeremy, I got in this business because you and I have buddies. You're very business savvy, Jeremy. But a lot of guys in the music business, Jeremy, are not business savvy. And Ray is an artist, and so I worry about Ray's future as a financial guy because I know Ray's going to need some money to hang out, you know, when, when he's post-DJ. Uh, but I admire Ray for, you know, being in his early 40s, just turned 40, uh, and still spinning tunes. Uh, but to be able to survive such a business blows me away. But he, here's the one. Ray, you and I always talk about vinyl records. And the music, the, the U.S. music industry overall brought in $7.5 billion. Correct me num- if these numbers are incorrect to you, Jeremy. $7.5 billion in, in music revenue in the United States last year, 68% of which was streaming. The balance was paid content, actual paid discs. But of those paid discs, 26% of physical shipments, vinyl. 26% yeah. of physical shipments was vinyl. So so my question to you, Jeremy, and I, I know you don't have the answer for us, but I'm curious. The vinyl that we can buy in Toronto at Urban Behavior or, or, or at HMV, is there any HMVs left in Toronto? Uh, I think they're all fidget spinners. So Sunrise is still around in Toronto. Yes. Yeah. So uh, where's that, where that vinyl being pressed? Is it being pressed at all in Canada, or is that are the press is gone now coming up from the United States? Don't know the answer. Wait, wait. You know, I, I actually... Uh, I do know there are there are some plants, uh, uh, some new plants actually that have opened um, to to press in Canada. Meeting the demand of yes, yeah, um, meeting the demand uh, for vinyl is um, is is very tough right now. Um, you know, when I was running an indie label um, a couple of years ago, uh, we would actually have our vinyl made in Hungary because all of the plants were so busy in North America. Um, there's, uh, I know there's one in uh, Montreal uh, hmm. that is like, I think they've added a, like a third shift, you know? Um, in my, in we Montreal, yeah. Producing, we were producing um, offshore and then shipping it here just so that we could meet deadlines, at, you know, and turnaround time from, from getting a master. I, I think it's an amazing thing, right? Because, um, you know, even, you know, I have some friends... Uh, that have bought, um, you know, a new old uh, hi-fi, if that makes sense. Yeah, you yeah. Know, they're, they're making these, these old hi-fis again. Mm-hmm. And, and it was actually really cool that he puts on an album, you know, and you listen to a whole half of an album. It is cool. And then you flip it over. And it just it reminds me of, you know, first of all, that's, that's the, the way the artist intended us to to enjoy the album, you know, it was in a, in a complete setting instead of, you know, uh, one song on a playlist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but it, you actually get to go on that journey, and the sound is so fantastic. So 
I guess everything old is new again, right? It, it really, really is. Well, look, you, you know, you know what's, what remains old but relevant is uh, a few commercials to help pay the bills. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's go to commercial break. Uh, Jeremy, don't you go anywhere, my L.A. man. we got more questions and looking for more answers from you right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show right after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM640 Studios in Toronto. For the love of money, Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein. Talk Radio, AM640. Ah, a little Californication makes me think of my buddy <laughs> Jeremy Summers in L.A. You know, Jeremy, you're such a smart guy. If for no other reason, you left this great city of ours. And I love Toronto. Don't get me wrong. But, you, you know, you went to, you, I think you went to Nirvana, uh, L.A. And uh, you're always in a good mood when I call you. Uh, you're always happy. And you, you, you credit the sun. Like, what, what, what's your take? It's, it's 72 and sunny in the valley every day? Truthfully, every day, 75 degrees. And the sun is out. But I'll, I'll tell you what's interesting is that I find now that when the sun's not out, I get the blues. <laughs> you know, I actually find myself, you know, um, uh, my mood directed by, uh, you know, if, if it's a gray day. And we have about, about seven of them a year. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing us. But no, no doubt about it, uh, seasonal uh, dis- disorder does occur. Um, but uh, you're, you're I miss to... Toronto, though. I, I love Toronto. Well, Toronto, Toronto misses you. Um, but hey, vi- vinyl's making a comeback. I want to stay in this vinyl story here because DJ Lazy Ray, uh, I think his RSP is full of vinyl. Uh, Ray, <laughs> Ray, I want you to share with, 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 with the audience a little bit about your, your vinyl collection and, and, and what you think are some good investments in piece of vinyl that you purchased and price you pay for very piece of vinyl um okay sure well looking at these most valuable uh vinyl list top 20 i'd say invest in the beatles especially if it, it was owned by ringo personally but uh that, that was like the one you're looking at by the way <laughs> it was like, the first pressing yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah it's the like first eight, pressing. nine of the 20 are beatles records um <laughs> so you can't go wrong with those blue chip uh you know uh nice records, good word good word <laughs> i'm using your lingo yeah uh no i just think like People, I think, are getting hyped on like trying to like make money off it. But uh, if you just buy stuff you like, and sometimes you like a dollar bin record, and sometimes you like a seventy-five dollar psych rock record or like a three hundred dollar record, and it's kind of like if you're just buying it for its value, I don't really believe in that. I'm a music fan, right? So I'm sure you could maybe if you're smart, but you probably should have been doing that years ago because they're they're so expensive now, anyways, right? Dollar bin records are like twenty-five bucks now. Mm-hmm. So is that right? Eh? So, yeah, I'm it, a val- I'm I'm in I'm into value in uh, investing or whatever. Hey, Warren Buffett just, <laughs> just, just made a stake in Sirius XM. There you go. Uh, he, he, but well, Malone from Liberty Group, he, he sold his position. So someone sees value, someone sees something that's overpriced. But I was in New York City and I stumbled by a, a vinyl store and I saw Synchronicity by Sting. This thing was it had hash marks on it. It, it had beer stains on it. God knows what else happened to this piece of vinyl. 28 bucks American yeah. 28 bucks for synchronicity whether or not it would sell at that price I don't know but that was the suggested retail price yeah. I saw Kate well, Bush record it. for 150 bucks that like, I've seen everywhere for like five yeah the one with cloud bu- busting on it or whatever it's like a five dollar record but someone will stick a 150 dollar you know price tag on it and see what happens I guess but now what about hey, the vinyl hey, that's selling sorry sorry uh, Jeremy go ahead uh, no I, I, I hey Wolf I just want to ask like with the fact that 
um, you know, so many, there's so many reprints now. Yeah. Vinyl, right? Is, has that driven the price or the value down? Uh, well, it's interesting. I think about this a lot because I think sometimes, like, because of reissues, uh, they almost create a more of a, like, fascination with the original and therefore like they kind of drive up the value of the original because it's like uh whereas like if the if the reissue wasn't out like less people wouldn't know about it or be looking for it so it's like sometimes because the reissue is out it's like okay now it's available on the original records like three or four hundred bucks or something so it's just like it's not going to really affect it but i think that overall like yeah, I think it's just people are into rarer stuff and uh, therefore are seeking out uh, those uh, those original copies. So everyone buy re- buy reissues though. Save the OGs for me. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 here here's one for you. Eight, now this was a seven inch record, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm in love with my car uh, by Queen. Five thousand pounds. Uh, so wow. you know, Jeremy. So you worked label side uh, when you when when you folks in in your promo departments are like when you guys were pressing this stuff back in the day. Or your dad was pressing stuff back, in, and you guys were releasing something of a hundred copies only. Did you guys pull back a little bit for your own little uh, shall we say time vault that you'd open up twenty five years later and see us working your money? I, 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 <laughs> I, I always. I always tried to get a sample. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, I, I have uh, I have uh, boxes full in my garage here of of some of those samples that uh, you know just to make sure that things were okay, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh huh. I, I actually should probably go through it again, you know, because maybe some of those things you know no longer have value, and some of them might have grown exponentially in value. But you know, for me, it's more keepsakes, you know. Well, I think raising yeah. the same boat, but uh, again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a stockbroker, cold-hearted kind of a guy. Space Oddity, folks, you have it out there, but the 7-inch. <laughs> We're looking for the 7-inch copy of Space Oddity, uh, Wild-Eyed Boy from Free Cloud by David Bowie, only 3,000 pounds. Now, the pound is weak, so yeah, there's some currency erosion there, eh, Jack? <laughs> a little Brexit going on. Uh, if, if you want to make it for the exit, you may have to sell your Space Oddity. We'll buy it, okay? This <laughs> is um, uh, <laughs> unbelievable. No, I thought Jack had something yeah. to share with you, Jeremy. Uh, so, so please, Jeremy, uh, we got we got another minute here. We're going to come back to you, but uh, uh, give us give us your most outrageous um, uh, record occurrence that you've experienced in the last twenty years. I mean, something that really just stood out for gee whiz, what what a, what a crazy crazy industry I work in. That's why I like it so much. Oh man, yeah. I don't know that I don't know that I can actually share a bunch of those stories. You know, to uh, to protect the guilty. Here's what, here's what we're going to do. Um, Here, no, here's what we're going to do, Jeremy. We're going to make some more money. All right, We're going to run some more commercials. It's okay. a good thing. So I want you to think about this for, for a few minutes because I want to come back to you because I don't want to speak to your buddy Randy Wells. He shares with me a few of his Music Day stories. He brings tears to my eyes because there's some funny ones. All right, so uh-huh. stand by. Uh-huh. Give us some thought. I want, I want your best hit right after this, all right? Money. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show right after this. Money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM640 Studios in Toronto. For the love of money, Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein. Talk Radio, AM 640. Well, good morning and welcome back to Hi-Fi Radio, AM 640. Jack Hartle, my wingman, of course, joining us, helping me along the way. We have DJ Lazy Ray just to talk music with us. And of course, my very handsome young man, Sebastian Wolfgang Klein in the studio. Sebastian, say hello. Hi, Dad. All right, how you doing? (laughs) 
pretty good. Good stuff. Uh, Jeremy, uh, so Hi. Uh, uh, marketable uh, moments in your music career. Uh, well, well, you know, I think the first thing, Wolf, I want to address, you know, the, the story, um, you know, because we're on the radio, uh, 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 there was a, an instance where, um, we had, we had executed a radio promotion, um, back when I was doing uh, a local promotion for universal in Calgary. And we had a, a radio, a radio promotion. We gave away a, um, a jean jacket, um, you know, uh, uh, to an artist. I won't say I won't say the artist's name. Mm-hmm. A massive country star, and uh, and the prize was you got contest, con- you got uh, concert tickets, and you got a jean jacket, and um, you know and that was the prize. Um, the concert was the night before, and uh, I said to the uh, I said to the winner, I said, you know, just come in tomorrow and pick up the jean jacket. She came in to my office. And I, I, I handed her the jean jacket, and she said, oh, um, well, I was under the impression that it was autographed. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said uh, no, no, and, and we didn't say that. We, didn't, we never advertised it was autographed. Uh, so, no, I'm sorry, it's, it's not autographed. And she said, but I've already sold it on eBay. <laughs> and I, I said, oh, okay, okay. And I was standing at the front reception. And I was having a bit of a, a, a bit of a rotten day, and I grabbed a sharpie no. and I signed my name, <laughs> and I said, "There, it's autographed." Oh, that's brilliant, man! Jeremy, when you, when, you, when you began telling us that story, the first image that went through my mind, Wolf, we didn't know turkeys couldn't fly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so let, let's get back to business. This is this is hi-fi radio, after all. Um, making money, rate. You're a DJ. Uh, again, you've survived, man. It, it, it's remarkable. Uh, you know, there's there's less nightclubs in Toronto. I think less of the millennials are interested in going to clubs to disco dance. Do, do disco balls still exist? I guess it's the uh, yeah, disco ball out house. there. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're on the show, man. Um, but surviving as a DJ, I think, is remarkable. So, so, so how have you survived as a DJ? Jeremy, we're going to come back to you talking about how artists can survive in this day and age. So I want you to give that some thought between yeah. now and then. But yeah, how do you survive as a DJ? Um, okay, well, the, okay, there's two ways, right? One way is like you become a name and become famous and, and you can tour and do big shows or whatever, right? So that's like some guys. But uh, to make money whilst not famous uh, <laughs> is the trick, right? So for me, uh, I like I like every style of music, so it allows me to just like say never say no to a gig and like play tons of stuff. And uh, you know, it's you can't really fake it. Like a lot of my friends like did, that DJ like can't do weddings because they don't like they don't like to play that stuff. But I actually like that music. So chicken dance. So, not the chicken dance, but like <laughs> so I'll, I'll do I'll do ABBA and like you know like. So what does a typical wedding cost there, uh, DJ? Uh, I don't know, man. I feel like kind of underpriced, right? Because like I, <laughs> I always hear about these dudes doing it like for, for like five, six grand and stuff. Really? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit much. I don't know. I don't I don't have like lights and like dancers and stuff. It's just like a guy and his music. So without um, a, without a mic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, I might borrow one of these actually. Yeah. Up, up my fee next <laughs> next wedding. Um, but yeah, honestly, just like being able to like play anything. You know, you're tired. It's a Tuesday night. Someone offers you a hundred bucks to play some like empty bar, and you say yes because you can never say no if you're self-employed. Kind of. I think that's like a general thing, right? We tend to be like uh, afraid of the work ending and like. 
uh, kind of driven like to to be maniacal workaholics. So even though my name's Lazy Ray, I work hard at uh, at DJing. So but no, you like, do work hard, right? <laughs> every day, man. Every day. So I, I've I've probably put more hours on the decks than like any DJ in the city in the last. 10 but you're years. very passionate about music, Ray. You know a lot about music. I, I think you are a musicologist, and I I'd put you in the same realm as I'm going to say this. My my friend Alan Cross. Mm. Uh, I know, but like you really really know. So your areas wow. of ex- your areas of expertise, Ray, in terms of genres of music, what would they be? Uh, the stuff I'm okay. I'm a more of a Renaissance man than a, than a specialist. So it's like, I'll play gigs with like in any one style and the guys who like only play that stuff usually like, I always feel like they know way more than me, but I like, I know a bit of everything, but, uh, like classic rock, Funk, soul, disco, boogie kind of stuff, and a little bit of jazz. Because when I, when I come to Tronies, that's where you, I see you on Adelaide Street, you're, you're playing stuff like dance hall. You get into a lot of jazz. You get into some hip hop, but not too much hip hop, fortunately. I, I go, I <laughs> it go all. So, it doesn't go so well with past the hip hop. It boom, chugga, boom, chugga, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, you know, and but I play that stuff in the clubs, and you know, and, and you know, it would, if I played Neil Young in a nightclub, it would be equally uh, correct. It would uh, no, out, no, out no, of it, place, right? So it, it wouldn't work as well. <laughs> I might try that. Tonight. I might try it tonight. <laughs> all right, well, stay with me because I want to find out now how the artists are able to make money in this day and age. Digitization, rip off, burning the whole nine yards. Yep. Artists still want to uh, thrive and survive, and we're going to talk to Jeremy. He's going to tell us how they are able to do that right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM640 Studios in Toronto. For the love of money, Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein. Talk Radio, AM 640. Welcome back to the show, and thank you for joining us, brothers and sisters, and of course, a very, very good morning to you all. Uh, we're still dialed into L.A. with Jeremy Summers, the executive vice president of Fox Television, handles the music side of things for the likes of Modern Family. What a great show that is. But we're also dialed into New York City. Uh, analyst Michael Graham with Canaccord Genuity. He covers those little itsy-bitsy companies like Alphabet, otherwise known as Google, Amazon and eBay and Facebook and Netflix and even Pandora. So I want to talk about content and the likes with you, Michael. Thank you for joining us. Yep, thank you, Wolfgang. It's a pleasure to be here again. Yeah, thank you. Nice to hear your voice. Yeah, likewise, likewise. So um, <laughs> let's just talk about how, how consumers, first of all, are consuming media. Um, and then we're going to talk about content creation. And, and Jeremy's going to share with us how artists are able to survive in the world of digitization. So in, in terms of consumption, you cover Pandora Media. Uh, I, I've, I've been seeing in the press, uh, Spotify, uh, again, I think they were the leader in, in online streaming. Uh, they're having a tough go. Again, too much of their gross revenue, I think 70% is going to the major labels. Uh, I assume Pandora is paying a little bit less than that. Uh, but obviously for streaming, uh, as strong and as, as relevant as it is, uh, what, 80 million, I think, st- uh, uh, individual use that Pandora. It's still difficult to make money uh, as a streamer. Is that correct? Well, you definitely hit on on a key point, which is that the gross margins in that business are are, are pretty low because uh, Spotify and Pandora have to pay a lot of their revenue out to the labels, um, you know, in the form of royalties. And you're right; it's about seventy percent for Spotify, and it varies for Pandora based on whether it's the radio side of their business or the streaming side of their business, but the truth remains that um, in the music industry, 
most of the content, uh, most of the artists are controlled or, or sort of, you know, managed by a very small number of major record labels. Uh, and so, you know, what that does is it creates a, a chokehold on content that, um, that really makes it uh, difficult. You know, unlike in film, for example, where Netflix is able to buy a lot of content from a lot of different producers and make a lot of their own content so they can really differentiate their service based on content, which gives them a little bit of power in the, in the industry. It's really tough to do that in, in music, and that's why you know, the, the, the margins in that business have been on the low side for those guys. Unbelievable. And now, in terms of content creation, again, you, you have the traditional producers, the Disneys of the world. We, we got Jeremy on from Fox, uh, the original content producers. They obviously are seeing a little bit of competition from the likes of, obviously, Netflix. It's driving a success for um, uh, new uh, viewers is, of course, its original content. But again, I read that now Apple, of course, wants to get more into content. Uh, uh, Amazon's getting into content. Like, how much room is there in the, in the creation of content to to allow the industry to remain profitable. Yeah, and and Facebook is also doing the same thing. Um, you know, Google is the one. If you're talking about video, you know, Google is the one that's decided to um, not, you know, have like a multi-billion-dollar spending plan for for more TV shows and more movies. Whereas you're exactly right; those other players have have all have all done that. You know, Netflix is spending six billion dollars this year. Amazon spending two, uh, and these are new entrants that are. Um, really shaking up the market for you know for talent for shows and for for scripts and the whole thing. So it's a great time, I think, uh, to be a content uh, provider, um, and it's definitely more competitive on the uh, on the side of aggregating that content and, and you know trying to show it to an audience. So, so Michael, how do these aggregators of content, being the smaller players, the uh, the Spotify's, the Pandora's of the world, how do they uh, make money with all this expensive content out there? Well, yeah, you know, and so and so in music, you know, what you've got is basically a, a three-player race at this point. It seems like, um, yep. you know, Apple was an early leader, but they're sort of falling away, and Spotify is the dominant player in in, in streaming, um, and Pandora is probably number two. Um, and and you know, they have a few different business models. Uh, they're they're basically. Um, you have the subscription on demand side of things, which is you know, play any song anytime. Um, you can rewind. It's basically just like having a, a massive record collection. Um, that's really a substitute for purchasing music. And so um, the, the the services like Spotify, Pandora pay uh, a lot, uh, you know, a high uh, content royalty rate for that. Uh, and then there's a no whole other side of the business, which is radio, which really Pandora is the dominant dominant player in. And there, um, the, the royalties are a lot lower. So they have 80 million uh, radio listeners in the United States, um, and they're and they're you know making you know really good 50, 60 percent gross margins in that business. And so um, the the issue is that you know they're starting to run out of listener growth in that business, which is why they're you know going after um, you know the subscription side of things with with where Spotify has been the leader. And just going back to Apple there, uh, Michael, how is it they're falling behind with the, you know, they have a huge balance sheet behind them. You'd think that they'd be able to, you know, create the content and have the network effect and scale that would, uh, you know, allow them to be the leader in the, in the streaming space. What, what is it that's allowing them or making them fall behind uh, to the smaller players? It, it's a great question. And it has a lot of people uh, that, that watch the industry like me from afar, you know, scratching their heads because, Apple was is such a great uh, consumer products company, and they're obviously a fantastic hardware company. Um, you know, iTunes uh, 
for the most part, got off to a great start and then really fell behind everything from UI to you know, user interface to latency in terms of how well the service uh, you know, uh, works for people. The, the Apple Music um, you know, sort of uh, product has had several iterations. They, they've never really hit on something that works. They've made some acquisitions um, you know, to try to get uh, big-time music insiders into the Apple Music family. Uh, those haven't really worked, and so it's a little bit of a head-scratcher, honestly. Um, and I think they're really running out of time. I mean, they, they, they do have this, this ability to um, favor Apple Music within the iOS ecosystem to the, to the detriment of other music services like Spotify and Pandora. So if Apple could come up with a really compelling Apple Music product, uh, they, they would be in a really good position. But so far, for whatever reason, they haven't been able to do it. We're learning about making money in the music business on Hi-Fi Radio AM640. Got Michael Graham on the line, covers Pandora, Apple, uh, Amazon, and the likes. Uh, stay tuned. I want to ask Michael a few more questions about how those future rock stars can make a buck right here on AM640. Money. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show right after this. Money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM640 studios in Toronto. For the love of money, Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein. Talk Radio AM 640. So you want to be a rock star. Well, you got to also put some food on your table. Mike Graham's going to help us, as will Jeremy and Ray, as to how to make money in the music business. So, uh, Michael, Ray has a question for you. DJ Lazy Ray, over to you. Uh, hey, man, just uh, wondering your thoughts on, uh, you know, obviously vinyl's not going anywhere and we're, and all this uh all these companies are getting into streaming content. I'm just curious how long uh, you think MP3s are going to be around. Like, is iTunes going to get rid of that? I mean, if 60% of revenue right now is from streaming, I don't see that cha- going down, right? Yeah, hey, Ray. Um, you know, I, I feel like uh, MP3s being downloaded onto devices uh, is definitely at risk of, you know, heading out the door. Um uh, if 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 you get into the situation where people are subscribing to a music library, and again, you know, Spotify has over 20 million paying subscribers in the world, uh, paying $10 per month or so for the for the privilege. You know, Pandora has uh, roughly three or four million of those subscribers in the U.S. Um, you know, paying a monthly fee for that. And 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 so what happens there is, um, as you as you probably know, is you can you can stream the songs. Um, but you can also download um, some limited number of them onto your device, you know, playlists or albums or whatever, and you can listen to them, you know, for, for, for as long as you want. And then I think, you know, there are limits so that you can't basically download the whole library onto your, onto your device. Right. Um, in terms of paying, you know, uh, you know, $199 or $399 for a single, um, that's still probably going to happen, but I think it's going to happen in much, much smaller numbers. We do have situations where some of the labels will release um, an album and um, only have it be available for sale for a period of time. You know, they window the content and then it shows up on Spotify and Pandora a little bit later and they try to sort of window those sales um, just like, you know, the film business does. But I think that um, the vast, vast, vast majority of music industry revenue going forward is going to be in the form of monthly uh, subscription fees. Right. Yeah. Hey, Mike. It's Jack. Hey, Mike. Mike. It's uh, Jeremy. Yeah. And uh, I, I just wanted to ask you. Um, 
you know, actually, I, I wanted to add a couple things to you that that you said. Um, you know, one is that Spotify just announced that they're now 50 million, which is like exponential growth that they're seeing now. Um, you know, the other, which I think underlines your point, the other is, you know, um, the significance of uh, Apple's uh, Chance the Rapper Grammy win, you know, I think that that actually underscores, you know, their commitment to it and, and some of the impacts that they're having, you know, in, in terms of establishing themselves, you know, as a, as a taste maker, um, you know, as opposed to just an access to a, a, a library of music, you know. Um, but I wanted to know your thoughts of uh, what you thought the implications are of uh, the XM investment in Pandora. And what does that mean? And what do you think we'll see in terms of, you know, the growth for either? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great point. And the first thing I'll say is I was really bummed out when I was up in Toronto in May because I had a tickets to go see Chance the Rapper. <laughs> I was really excited about. And, uh, yeah, they ended up having to cancel the show for, for flooding or something over there on that uh, Budweiser summer stage. But, um, but yeah, that would have been a lot of fun. And that was a really, it's a really phenomenal story um, from, from him. Um, in terms yeah. of Sirius and, uh, and Pandora, you know, um, Pandora had this really uh, tough situation where um, some activist shareholders felt like the company was being mismanaged. So um, some activists came in and, re- and tried to sell the company. Um, that ended up uh, sort of paradoxically driving the stock price down. Um, and then, um, you know, the Liberty folks uh, came in and said, we'll buy it, you know, down here. And Pandora said, no, thank you, but how about an investment? And so uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, Sirius uh, XM under the direction of their uh, um, owner, Liberty Media, um, you know, made a, a major investment for 16% of Pandora stock. You know, the really interesting thing here is that Liberty and, and Sirius were, were really interested in the radio side of Pandora. And um, they even said in their press release that we, we view that this investment as a way to, you know, help jumpstart our radio advertising business um, along with Pandora's, and they um, intentionally uh, left out major mention of the, of the subscription side of Pandora's business, which is the much newer fledgling side of Pandora's business. And so um, most of the people who are looking at this situation believe that uh, Pandora has until the end of the year, which is when the deal with uh, Sirius fully closes, um, to to do a good job with their premium subscription launch. And do a good job is a vague descriptor. Um, <laughs> most people think it's, you know, getting a couple million uh, subscribers in the door. Uh, but it's but it's, it's a great big event that's happened, and, and the, 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 the final impact, you know, is, is unknown so far. Can I ask one more thing? Wolf, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Um, Mike, I'm curious about, um, your take on on the radio stocks. I uh, I made uh, a couple of times on Cumulus, and then I, I got stuck holding the bag when it when it dropped, you know, like thirty percent. Um, iHeart, um, you know, obviously their their debt issues are well uh, uh, written about. Um, what do you uh, What do you foresee uh, for those for those media companies as it pertains to, you know, what's happening with radio, et cetera. 
Yeah, um, you know, so I, I I cover all these internet stocks very closely. Um, I I, wa- I don't I watch those radio stocks from afar, so I'm not you know super close to them. What what I will say, just offer you know an opinion that um, I feel like the trends for listenership in radio are going to be sort of inexorably bad. Um, you know, just based on uh, even competition from Sirius, but then you know competition from all these streaming services and. You know, to me, um, the real sort of, um, uh, you know, end state for radio is going to be, you know, shows like this one, you know, talk radio that, uh, you know, needs to be in real time. A lot of it might be in drive time. Um, but, you know, the format for what is, you know, talk news, weather, um, sports, like I think that's what ends up being successful in broadcast radio. I think the whole music side of thing, you know, the ad load on that on that content has got so high. Uh, you know, Pandora's coming in and offering an hour of music listening, you know, radio music listening with two and a half minutes of advertising per hour compared to, you know, 12 to 15 for terrestrial radio. So I think the listener trends there are going to be tough. And I think that'll, you know, ultimately translate into the, the financials. It is all about talk radio. My good friend, Michael, you want yourself back on here. I can tell and we're going to invite you back on here. You're a very, very smart man. Wish you a great weekend. <laughs> um, we got one more hit, folks, and we're going to keep Jeremy on the line. And DJ Lazy Ray, of course, is going to entertain us, <laughs> not with music, but with words on Talk Radio AM 640. High five. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show right after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM640 Studios in Toronto. For the love of money, Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein. Talk Radio, AM640. Last hit, folks. We're talking Hi-Fi Radio, making money in the music business. Uh, now, we got DJ Lazy Ray in the studio. Of course, Jeremy Summers on the line in L.A. Well, what, sorry, Jeremy, tease us. What's the weather like in L.A. right now? It's about 80 degrees right now. 80 sunny. degrees, sunny 80 degrees. It's always 80 degrees and sunny. Where we hate you, Jeremy. <laughs> we really do hate you as much as we love you, pal. Um, but let's just figure out, how can you make money as an artist? Now, DJ Lazy Ray is an artist. I remember back in the day, my good friend, when a DJ would have, you know, biceps. You know, they had biceps. Why, why, why they had biceps? <laughs> I'm still like, working on those. Yeah, because you had those <laughs> so milk crates that you kick harder around. Those <laughs> milk crates of vinyl. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, Jeremy. I know you do. Uh, of course, Jack of course. was up at the key to the bala waiting for uh, Kim Mitchell to perform along with, um, who's the other fellow that played with the key? Every uh, year? Blue Rodeo's every Blue year. Rodeo, every yeah. Year. <laughs> so, 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 so Jack is a guy who likes live music. Uh, we, as a matter of fact, caught a little bit of live music at the Edge Studios as we came into the studios. Uh, uh, one of uh, Gary Slate's bands performed. What was the name of that band, Rob? The Royal uh, Royal Ascots, Royal Ascot. the Royal Ascots. I thought they were very, very good. Were they Canadian? No idea. No idea. Yeah. Uh, the, Jer- Jer- see, Jeremy knows. <laughs> Jeremy knows everything about music. But but uh, DJ Lazy Ray no longer has to cart around vinyl. Uh, obviously, there's no cassettes in his. Uh, I'm right? playing all eight <laughs> tracks now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's remarkable to see your setup. You know, at, at, at Taroni's um, uh, for for the, uh, uh, the this discerning Italian uh, connoisseur of food. Uh, but you no longer have records. You you got these turntables, but you don't actually put records on those turntables. So so what yeah. what are they all about? All right. Well. Uh, I still play wax too, but like uh, for wax, yeah, that's <laughs> slang for records. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I um, 
I do both. Um, but obviously for stuff like weddings, corporate gigs, um, stuff where you're playing new music that doesn't come out. As we as we were talking about earlier, uh, the pressing, the demand is kind of out, outweighing the, the, the abilities of pressing plants. So it's like new stuff doesn't uh, come out uh, like fast enough to play, like if you're a club DJ. So people are using laptops pretty much... Uh, uh, I would say probably 90% of DJs I see. But now, I spoke to you about this before, Jeremy, because, you know, I remember about eight, nine years ago, I didn't listen to a lot of digital music. Uh, and I really still don't, uh, although I did pick up a very cool JBL portable speaker, eh, Sebastian? That little speaker mm-hmm. that we got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I guess what you, it, it Bluetooths up with, with your phone, and yeah. it sounds really, really good. Uh, but my frustration, yeah. of course, Jeremy, we spoke about this, is compressed sound. Uh, and I start to mm-hmm. hear digital tracks that are compressed to... Mm, 10% of what they once were. Yeah. Being a vinyl, I won't call myself an aficionado of, of vinyl, but I, I love vinyl. I love the warmth of it. You really can hear the difference. And, oh, yeah. and, and so, Ray, when, you, when you're walking around with your digitized music, uh, are you, for the most part, playing to the audience full songs or compressed songs? Uh, it depends. Like um, You can buy like WAV files or, or, or AFFs, which are, they're digital, but they're full. They're not compressed. They're full. They're, like It's like what's on a CD, right? So if you... You know, that information's there on a CD. If you have good converters, it'll sound decent. Um, but a lot of people are playing, you know, like really low bitrate MP3s. And um, you really notice it like uh, in a on a loud sound system with with like subs because it's the same thing. If you take a pixely photo and you blow it up to a billboard size, you're going to notice the lack of fidelity. And with MP3s, it's the same thing. Uh, you don't notice the lack of bass if, if you're like on your... Um, earbuds right or your or your laptop speakers but when you hear guys playing that stuff in a in a nightclub uh with like a big sound system there's just there's it's a massive (laughs) difference and yeah they sound they sound really boxed in and compressed compressed sounding sometimes so 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 jeremy let's 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 take this across the uh continent here jack of course is going to be hanging out at kita bala this summer uh but (laughs) but you're you're out in la you got that hollywood ball uh, let, let's talk live because you know again I love music I really do I, there's nothing yeah. better than live music and again uh, that artist we saw Rob again, what was the name of the band that we saw the Royal Ascots the, the, Royal, <laughs> the Royal Ascots uh, they may want to do a little rebranding on the name but they sounded <laughs> they, 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 they sounded really good uh, you, know, you know name recognition a little recall doesn't hurt when you're trying to buy something mm. um, but they sounded really good and I think the, one of the reasons why they sounded good because they were live uh, so let, let's talk Live Nation um, Jeremy uh, again you, you're still totally in, in, in tune with what's going on uh, in your opinion Jeremy is this a growth industry because the company was, was not making money forever it's finally turned to profit, uh, and it looks like you know revenues on an upward trajectory. The company's worth about seven billion dollars, uh, and it looks wow. like they got the they really got a lock on live performances. So, so what is the trend for uh, concert attendance, in your opinion, Jeremy? Well, I think that Live Nation's uh, growth and uh, you know steady business uh, development has to do with their management, which happens to be Canadian, right? Michael Rapino. Um, maybe one of the most successful, you know, uh, Canadians uh, in the music business ever, um, you know, you know, has guided that company. And um, I I think they've been really smart, uh, you know, uh, building vertical integration, right? You know, they now um, have uh, one of the largest uh, management rosters, right? They took, started taking ownership in, in artist management um, with the idea that um, if you're an artist, that uh, you know your promoter should be your uh, you know a, a, a partner 
on your team instead of, you know, some, some backroom guy who's trying to sell, you know, tickets off the side. You know, there's a lot more transparency in that business. Hmm. And, and, and I think that's a great way that they have been able to continue to grow. Right. Cause I've I always, they, I always thought uh, that, sorry, sorry, Jim, I always thought that artists in this day and age, they, if they want to make a living, they need to tour, they need to sell merchandise. And if they can sell some CD side stage, all the more power to them. Do, do you agree with that? It's, it's, it's absolutely the most immediate way for an artist to make money. Hmm. Okay. Um, and, and it, it's, it's still the highest margin. Uh, way for an artist to make money. Yeah, right? Jeremy, but, in, but, sorry, in the, in the interest of time, I want to share one other point with you here because it, it could be, I won't say a showstopper, but it's very fascinating. Uh, Toronto, Ontario will announce reforms to ticket selling legislation on Monday after a public consultation found widespread support for more transparent sales and more rules for resellers, according to the Canadian press. Basically, what they want to do is if you're going to resell a ticket online, you have to let the buyer know what the original purchase price was and they want to get rid of bots and apparently those bots drove anyone nuts in ontario who want to buy uh to concert tickets for the tragically hips final uh tour uh any any, any talk about this uh, in la you know wolf it, it hasn't hit my radar it's, it's not something that i particularly follow mm-hmm. um you know, so so I I really can't say. I think it sounds like a really positive move. It does. Right? Well, I, and I, I've I've so often just gave up trying to buy tickets because I said I will never get through. I ain't a bot. I'm the wolf man. <laughs> <laughs> On that front, Jeremy, it's been a total pleasure, my friend, having you uh, join us uh, on air, DJ Lazy Ray. You're great. I love you, man. And I'm going to see you at Toronto's on Adelaide Street. Jack, my wingman, you're always a delight to have in the studio. And Sebastian, you handsome young man, you're going to come back down and you'll learn more a little, <laughs> little bit about broadcasting because uh, it still is relevant, especially talk radio. Right here on AM640, thank you for tuning in to Hi-Fi Radio, and I wish you a fantastic weekend. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. For the podcast of today's show, go to 640Toronto.com. New shows every week. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.